Father, we have entered in this place and we've called on your name. And we have acknowledged and asked you to come and be the blessing that you are. You are the fount of every blessing. And we cried, Hosanna. We, we, we said, praise unto God. And now we, we've opened our hearts and we have declared that, that you are truth. And we ask you now to speak what is truth. And so God, what we're asking is that what, what we know not teach us. And what we have not give us. And what we are not make us. By your grace, and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. We are discovering what hope is. It is the year of hope at Living Hope. Today we begin a new series, and we talk about the fact that hope is inspired. Once you have received the gospel, and for some of you that's not yet, you're in process, I pray, but once you have received the gospel, then, then hope begins to happen in your life. And, and this hope, it's a living hope, it's, it's more than just something that, that happens for you, it's something that happens to you. And the hope that, that we have, it begins to inspire, it begins to move things in our life. And, and hope is inspired to do many things. And, and without this hope, we will often just get trapped. And, and that's where some of you are today, you feel trapped. You're, you're trapped in, in what it is you can do. You're trapped in what you can get out of other people, out of other things. You're trapped into a vision of what only you can see. But when hope is inspired, when this hope that only God can give in the gospel gets down in us and gets real, we begin to believe that, that there is more than, than what we can do, but that what God can do. And we begin to see people and things uh, not, not as a source to define ourselves or a source to get what we want, but as a source to serve and to discover the heart of God as we love and as we, as we provide what it is God has given to us and enables us to see beyond ourselves and to see what God is doing in a broader sense, in a greater sense, so that our lives become a part of something far bigger than anything we could ever create or hope or imagine in and of ourselves. And so when we talk about hope and we talk about what is inspired in it, let's understand that God is bigger than we have heard. And He is, he is better than we could even hope in ourselves. And as we walk through these this chapter in, in 1 John 3, I want to encourage us to be willing to see what it is that hope inspires. And today we're going to talk about the fact that hope inspires love, specifically love for God's family, but, but love in a, in a very general sense. You know, God is love, and we are never more godly than when we choose to love. As a matter of fact, the the words of Jesus, Jesus tells us that, that the law and the prophets hang on our capacity to love. Obedience to God, obedience to His law, does not hinge on our willpower, our capacity just to discipline our senses and our flesh. Our capacity to honor and obey God depends on our capacity to love. What did Jesus say? 
Let's remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22. He said, and he said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, this is the grace and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice this. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Our capacity to honor and obey God depends completely on our willingness to choose to love. Now, here's the problem. None of us can do this in and of ourselves. Not one of us has ever done it in and of ourselves. Not one. But here's good news. God's love infused in our lives by grace through faith enables us to have a hope that inspires us to love to do the very thing God designed and created us to do so that we can be what it is God designed and created us to be. But the only way you can do this is that you've got to be transformed and changed by God's love and His grace revealed in Jesus Christ in the cross. Until we understand that we can't love the way we were designed to love apart from Christ, we will always be stuck. We will rarely be inspired and our hope will diminish. But if we can believe in the gospel and believe in the power of God, God's love in us enables us to love Him and to love others. And what we see in our text today, and I want to make sure you understand this, what we see in our text today is this capacity. We, we have this power. We have this movement of God in us that enables us to actually love other people, specifically the family of God. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, I want you to take it out. Ashley McFarland's going to come. She's going to provide our reading. Uh, take it out and go now to 1 John chapter 3. And let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And uh, Oh, I need to get mine. 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to be in verses 11 through 15. Yeah, that's what's got to highlight. That's smart. Good move. All right, guys. We're in 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 15. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who is of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The Word of God. Thank you so much. If you would be seated, let's talk about this chain reaction. And it is a chain reaction. You know, we read the words of Jesus, love God with all you are, love your neighbor as yourself. None of us can do that in and of ourselves. We need first to be impacted by the love of Jesus. And then it's like a, a domino effect. Have you ever experienced something that was kind of a domino effect? Like one thing happened that led to another thing that led to another thing. It happened to me the other night. We were out to dinner. Um, I, I was meeting my family there, and I couldn't find them. And so I was going to the restaurant looking for them, and this, this sweet little lady, waitress, was carrying this huge tray. She came flying around the corner, and I had to jump out of her way. Now, good thing I got cat-like reflexes, right? So I jump out of her way, and I hit a potted tree, which why a potted tree would be that high, I don't know. But I hit this thing. This thing's got to weigh at least 100, 200 pounds. 
Well, I knock it over. So it's going down, and I run over satellite reflexes and catch it strong like a mule and grab it, right? And, you know, it's about to go down, and I'm like, you know, I'm putting it back, back rip. I mean, just, you know, trying to get to it. I get this thing stationary again, and I'm like, who's the man? I'm the man. Who's the man? I'm the man. So I'm kind of like, ooh, glad that's over. And I turn around, and as I do, here comes somebody else, a taller man with a tray of drinks he's carrying about right here. And as I turn, I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, I nail it, all right? And so now this poor guy is just covered in drinks. I mean, I'm talking about a huge tray of drinks. And so I'm like, I'm so sorry. He goes, no, it's my fault. And there's glass everywhere. And I start to help. He goes, no, no, sir, don't, don't touch it. There's a lot of glass. Just, you know, go onto your table. I can tell he's ticked off, you know. And, and so I, I go on and I go and I find my table. And, of course, you know, I, I, I tell my wife, who is just dying laughing. She's like, only you. This is what you do to the world, right? So then this guy walks up. And he says, I am so sorry it's taking me so long. Some guy just bumped into me. And all your drinks are all over me. And I'm soaking wet with, with tea and tea. And I said, man, I'm so sorry that was me. My wife is howling at this point. And this guy's embarrassed because he was mad because it happened. And I'm just like, you know, trying to explain, well, there was this pot and there was this girl. But, you know, at that point, the damage was done. I tipped him well, though. I'm going to tell you that right now. I tipped him well. But what happened? There was a domino effect. A girl way too little with way too much stuff coming at me, right? Me hitting the, the plant, me trying to catch the plant. I to let it go, but I caught it, right? And then I'm taking out the guy. It's a domino effect. One thing impacts the other, impacts the other. Listen, in order for us, in order for us to have hope, there's, there's got to be this impact. It, it begins with God. It begins with God loving us and us receiving His love. And when we receive that love, we, we find hope. And then that hope is inspired. And then that hope enables us to actually love others. It, it actually inspires. Hope, hope is inspired to, to love the family of God, to love other people. So, so in reality, you might want to write this down, God's love is the means of hope. This is the gospel. If you can acknowledge that you cannot love God and love other people the way you were designed to, which that should not be hard for any of us in this room because we've all failed at that, which is sin, but that we can see that God has loved us perfectly, that He will forgive us of our sin, then we have reason to hope. And that love, that love destroys the things that rob us of hope, like fear. See, when you don't know the love of Christ, your life is often driven by fear. Fear of punishment for what you've done. Fear of the unknown. Fear of all these things. But in the gospel, we can know our punishment has been paid in full. Christ Jesus has died on the cross to pay for our sins. He has been raised and is alive. And we no longer have to fear any circumstance or individual. And that gives us hope. Not only does it overwhelm our fear, it destroys our frustration because now... Instead of seeing every failure as mounting up to just a, another heap and just adding to the heap, we now can see, you know what? I see my sin for what it is. I can repent of it. I can acknowledge it. And I can overcome it through the power of Jesus Christ who is alive. 
So instead of our, our failing and our struggle bringing us down, it brings us closer to Christ as we acknowledge His grace and we seek Him in it to repent and be renewed in Him. So it's no longer frustration, it's glorification to our God. So fear is diminished, frustration is removed, and foolishness dissipates because we are no longer driven by our fleshly desires, which, which leads us to foolishness. But we are now led and guided by the living God who loves us, who gave himself for us, who is now abiding and living in us. And then we overcome falsehood. We no longer are deceived. We now have the truth of God's Word, and the Spirit of God inspires us to believe and to know this is true, so that we're able to function under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's what happens, is, is when, we, when we believe, we come under the authority of Jesus Christ, and His love defines everything about who we are, which gives us hope. And then that hope inspires. It inspires us to do several things, according to our text. Take note of this. Hope is inspired by God's love to love. If you're struggling to love someone, all you need to do is look at the cross and remember how much you are dearly loved. If you are feeling lonely, if you feel abandoned, if you look to the cross and remember. He has come for us because He loves us. And love is the most powerful thing in the universe. Love has the capacity to change everything. Love is eternal. Love is lasting. And love, love enables life to truly exist, to really happen. Jerome, one of the early church fathers in his commentary, wrote about the last days of, of John the Apostle who wrote this letter. And, and as he was dying as he was he was there and it was it was it was a bit of a long death it wasn't a it was it was a, it was a time where he knew he was passing away uh, according to, to this, this commentator and he would say to the people over and over again little children love one another little children love one another he just kept saying it over little children love one another and and some began to kind of get tired of hearing this they would say why do you keep saying the same thing over and over again? Listen to what he said. It is the Lord's command, and that this alone is done, it is enough. It says here in 1 John 3.11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It brings God glory. It, it gives others what they desperately need. It blesses our lives. It provides for us something that is so significant. And under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we can do something that's so powerful. We can love our enemies. I want you to understand, if you don't love your enemies, then your enemies control you. See, if you are driven by anger and hate, if you are driven with, with a desire to get someone back, that desire will press on you and it will control you. If you won't love your enemies, then your enemies will control you emotionally. Those emotional emotions will drive your thoughts. Those thoughts will drive to action and it will lead to misery. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can love our enemies. And we can be free. And we can love our families. And we can love our friends. 
and we can love those who don't know Jesus. We can truly love. And it is when we truly love that, that we experience life, that we, that we truly, truly uh, find uh, this, this unbelievable uh, existence that, that only God can give. And, and then we become something. And, and write this down. Hope is inspired by God's love to be righteous. When God's love takes root and we begin to live it, changes us. But without it, without it, we will self-destruct. And that's what we see happening in Scripture over and over. It's what we see happening in our world. It's what we see happening in our culture. It's what we see happening all around us. Self-destruction. It says here, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. Hate comes from selfishness. And a life that refuses to submit to God on God's terms. Any life, anything, any person under the Lordship of Jesus Christ is under the rule of peace. Anything that Jesus has authority over, there's peace in it. If there is an aspect of your life where you do not have peace, you can know that that aspect of your life is not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Understand that peace does not mean ease. Just because the Jesus is over it doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard, that it's not going to be challenges or difficulties. What it means is when Jesus is over every aspect of your life, or just take a specific aspect of your life, no matter what is happening in that aspect, because it's under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you can have peace. Cain had no peace. Cain was driven by selfishness, he was self-consumed, he was jealous, and he was angry. And so what did he do? He destroyed himself by destroying his brother. And that's what happens when we destroy others. We destroy ourselves. That's what hate does. It kills. It robs us of life. But when we choose to love, we choose to obey. And to obey God is to be righteous. Love changes everything. It changes us. This week I had the opportunity to have dinner with my brother and, and uh, my mom and stepdad. And it was, it was, just, it was just a great night. And it was funny to me because my, my brother got caught at the kids' end of the table. Have you ever had a dinner and you were seeing how this was lining up and you're like, okay, all the kids are going down there and you were smart enough to go to the other end of the table? Have you ever done? You guys got to be smarter than that. Y'all got to think through stuff. That's what guys like me do, right? So my big brother's down there at the kids' end of the table and I'm just laughing because I'm seeing him do things that I never saw him do when we were growing up. First of all, I saw him around and intending to little kids. When we were growing up, my brother had nothing to do with small children. Nothing. He was always fixed up. It was always about, you know, you know, adult conversation. It was always about, and my brother was never, not one day, patient. Not that I can remember anyway. And so here he is at the end of this table. He's like being so patient, you know, and he's making sure they've got their drinks. He's, he's making them stop punching each other because that's what cousins do. I mean, you know, all this stuff that's going on. And I'm just laughing out loud, and it just dawns on me. 
I'm seeing what happens when you choose to love. You don't do what is necessarily natural to yourself. Instead, you, you do what is best. And, and what is best but to obey God? And what happens to you when you obey God? You become righteous. Here is Cain, and Cain is, is he's filled with, with anger and selfishness and, and jealousy. And what does it do? It destroys him. What happens when we choose to love? It changes us. And I just want you to know, listen, the last thing the enemy wants you and me to do is to love. Do not be surprised that the enemy constantly tries to make love seem mundane. Even today, this morning as I'm talking about this, even this week as I was preparing to talk about this, the thing I kept praying about, I was saying, Lord, our people, we as Christians, we hear this all the time. Please don't let this fall on deaf ears that we are to love you, that we are to love others because we hear it so much that if we're not careful, it becomes like a slogan, something that no longer has real sense to us. We've got to be careful of that. Because there's nothing more important we can do than love. Specifically to love others. And when we do that, and, and please understand, when you choose to love your enemies, when you choose to love your family and friends and make sacrifices for them, when you choose to love this church, when you choose to love people where you live, work, learn, and play, understand this. God is going to be at work in your life and produce righteousness in you, in me. Remember what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. What will you do then? You will fulfill all the law and the prophets. You will be righteous. And that's what hope inspires. It inspires this love that enables us to actually be righteous, which gives us a life worth living. I mean, it's not until, and please get this, it is not until we've been made righteous in Christ and we are living out this love that we're truly living. Until then, we're actually dead. We're dead to God. We may be active. We may have things going on, but we're not truly alive. This hope is inspired. It enables us to truly live. Write it down. Hope is inspired by God's love to truly live. Verse 14 says it very plainly. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. Until we are loving. Until that defines us. We're not truly living. We're still dead in our sins. We're still dead to God. We're still dead. The walking dead is what we are. We don't have life. We're not truly living. Whoever does not love abides in Read it out loud with me. Read what that says. Make sure we get that. Whoever does not love abides in death. There's no life apart from love. Please understand, in the end, life is not a collection of events happening one after another. Life, a meaningful life, built on relationships. You're not truly living until you are really loving. So you're really loving God and loving people. 
and, and when we come to that place where we are truly loving others, it is then that we're truly living. So let me ask you, are you really living today? I mean, are you truly alive? See, how can I know? Are you choosing to love God with all you are and the people where you live, work, learn, and play as yourself? If you are, you are creating a story and you are beginning to understand your role in God's story. See, God's story is a simple story. It's a love story. It's a story about how God loved a bride and pursued her. Again, you know the Bible is divided in four sections. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. What is the story about? It's about the fact that God made us to be in harmony, to love, to be loved by God, to be filled with His love. But what did we do? We rejected that love. That was the fall. We decided we did, we were too smart for God. We were too smart for all that love that He wanted to give out us. We wanted to, to be able to love ourselves. We wanted to be able to love whatever we wanted to love. We wanted to know the difference and be able to be able to be free from God and, and all that He could give, which created destruction and death. But God never stopped loving us. And He has pursued us to rescue us. And when Christ came, he came to set us free from the power and punishment of sin so that we could be alive to God, so that we could truly love. One day, He's going to restore all things. And that bride, His church, we will be with Him forever. And it's going to be glorious. Until that day, we have a life to live and a story to make. And that story will not have meaning. It will not be what it was intended to be, which is a love story, until we choose to love God in the gospel and then let it permeate every aspect of our, of our existence, of our lives. And in and, and truly living, we will have relationships. And we will love your life, my life. It's meant to be a love story, not a tragedy. How many of us are living tragedies? Lives filled with activity and stuff, but not love. Not love because we refuse to kneel and surrender our lives to Christ. Because we will not bring ourselves under His Lordship. And wherever there's an absence of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there's an absence of peace. And if you don't have that peace, you will not have hope. And without hope, it will, you will not be inspired to love. That gospel power at work in your life, you'll miss it. So, how would you describe your life today? Is it a love story? Sometimes I think mine's a comedy, but I, I mean, you know, I hope it's, a, I hope it's a, 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 a loving comedy. But it's meant to be a love story. A story of how God came and changed us by His love and allowed us to love everyone that we come in contact with, with the love He gives. And those relationships produce a righteousness and a story that brings glory to God and a life worth living. Last thing, hope is inspired by God's love to share life. This is harsh in verse 15. This is harsh. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hate destroys and robs life. What hate does. So does apathy. Love gives life. Love produces life. Love shares life. So, as you think about your life today, let let me ask you a question. What is it producing? What is your life producing? If it is not producing a story of love, much of a life. And until our lives are transformed by the grace of God, we can't truly live. It's the domino effect. But once we receive God's love, that frees us to love Him and love others, which creates a life worth living, a righteousness that honors God in a way that God designed us to be. Is that the focus of your heart and mind? Or has the evil one been able to come and whisper in your ear, you don't need to worry about all that love stuff. You've heard that all your life. You, you, you know this information. You, you need to get busy with other things. Is your life busy? Just busy? Or is it a life that permeates God's love? Here's what I'm confident of myself, which makes me confident of most of you. We need more love. We need to acknowledge our desperate need for God's love. And we need to ask God to do the miracle of making us His love to others. All the while knowing that that blessing is ours. So this morning, I want to invite you to come and get on your knees and say, God... I need your love. Some of you to receive it for the first time. Others of you to say, God, I need to focus my mind and my affections around your love. And I need to forgive some people. And I need to reach out to some people. And I need my story to be like your story, a love story that I want to give an account for. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, you you have made us for yourself. And until our life rests in you, we cannot have peace. Until we're under your lordship, there's no peace. The only way your lordship is, is enabled is through our reception of your love by grace through faith in Christ alone. We acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge our lack of love, which is what sin is not loving you, not loving others. And in that confession, we can come to you and ask you to do what only you can do, which is to forgive us, restore us, and fill us with your love. So would you today, God, would you answer the prayers of some who are about to come, and would you renew their love for you? Would you, for some... Give your love to them for the first time as they repent and believe the gospel. 
would you enable some today to come and say, God, today I'm, gonna, I'm going to commit to, to letting that person know I forgive them. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to be free to live a life of love. God, hear the prayers of those who come now and ask your, your favor and your divine mercy to do a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen.